and welcome to the Human Mom Podcast, episode 30. I'd like to remind everybody that if you'd like to send email, please feel free to do that at humanhomepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please feel free to check out my website at www.hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot O-R-G. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. I spelled that really weird. Anyway, before we get started, I wanted to mention that, um, of course, my podcast can be found on my website and the RSS is there. But uh, they're also hosted on the Northern Runes Radio site, and I'd suggest listening to that podcast because Wodenson does a lot of good stuff there. He's been doing a rune uh, special for a while, giving a podcast to each rune, which I think is really cool. He also has a, a rune meditation series, which you can purchase, and um, I have purchased that, and it's definitely worth it, so check that out. Obviously, we have Saga with us here today. <laughs> Um, Northern Runes Radio, you can just go to northernrunesradio.com or find them on my homepage. So, oh, and he's doing a Yule special as well, um, these next couple weeks, or by the time this comes out, it'll probably be the last couple weeks. So, today, we are going to talk about Yule, and I have Lauren, Alexander, and of course, Saga, who you can hear in the background. How's everyone doing, Alexander? I'm alright. And Lauren? Good. All right. Now, Lauren just faced away from the mic, so hopefully you can hear her. And I'm sure you can hear Saga. So, what we are going to be talking about today is sort of some of our Yule traditions. Uh, I've kind of been thinking about these a lot more lately because we have Saga now. And obviously, when you think back to when you were a kid and you celebrated whatever you did, probably Christmas, there were a lot of traditions that um, you remember and maybe you liked. A lot of the traditions are pagan and even also true in their origins. You know, like the Christmas tree, the idea of decorating a tree was around way before Christianity was. The idea of giving gifts to people you like, um, that is something that comes up in the sagas all the time. You know, that friends will exchange gifts and, and stuff like that. Uh, donating to the poor, I don't know how much that was our tradition. I feel like that's probably more of a Christian tradition because they do actually have a big emphasis on charity. But, you know, that's something that I would certainly not suggest you stop doing. Uh, so a lot of these traditions that we use actually come from what was called Yule, and that's kind of what our, our ancestors celebrated, the... I don't want to say the Austro people because they didn't use the term Austro to describe themselves, but the people who follow the gods that we're following today. And you can read in the sagas all sorts of stuff about Yule and some of the other traditions they had. They had the Yule log was a big one. It's traditional for them to eat ham. The Christmas ham kind of comes from our tradition. I mean, it's pretty obvious because the Bible says you can't eat ham. And decorating evergreens kind of obvious because evergreens don't grow in the desert where Jesus would have been. So, just <laughs> pointing that out. Um, oh, I also forgot. I want to say somebody actually gave us feedback, and I'm very appreciative of that. So more people give us feedback. Totally a tangent. So, so back to Yule. Let's talk about some of the traditions that we like 
and um, still do? That's sort of a broad question. Do you want to start us out, Lauren? You mean in, in our household? Yes. Okay, so yeah, we. I like decorating a tree. Yes. I kind of slacked this year a little bit. There's an ornament on it, and there's lights. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's a sun wheel on top. Yeah, we don't put a star, because... Obviously, that's kind of Christian. Yeah, the star, I do believe, represents the star that led the people to Jesus. Uh-huh. So we do a sun wheel, which I think actually looks really nice on top of the tray. Um, yeah, we do we that. We give gifts, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like getting stuff and giving stuff to people. Right. Um, of course, we do gloves. Yeah, we do gloves. That is not a tradition I grew up with, though. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I'm talking about traditions in general. Oh, okay. Um, Alexander, what kind of traditions do you do in the household if there's any additionals? Well, my household would generally be absorbed by, like, a grandparent's household for a okay. while for, during holidays. And usually there were other people. I, like, with my father's parents... Usually, at least two or three of their kids would end up at their place. And although during that time of the year, it was a somewhat smaller place, so I think that's the limit they could do. Okay. And then on the other side, just tons of family get-togethers. But then that's just normal on mom's side of the family. Right. Well, and uh, I'm going to go through some of these traditions. The first one is family get-togethers. That's a huge one, and uh, that's something our ancestors definitely did. You know, you can you can read it in the sagas. As we've mentioned many times before, family is a huge part of Osetru and ancestors and connecting to ancestors and everything else. And it used to be, you know, if you're in Sweden, let's say, or even Germany, there's snow, travel's hard. You're not going to travel, you know, for... You're not going to take a four-day trip and stay at your family's for two hours and then come back. So they would take the trip and stay at their families for long periods of time. I mean, it would probably be closer to a month than a day. Mm-hmm. So, And they just have giant feasts, you know. Uh, they would do the bloats there and hail the ancestors and everything. Now, I'm guessing most people who are listening are in the same boat as us where... We're the only person in the family who's Austro, or maybe the only couple people in my family. My brother and myself are both Austro, and nobody else is. So we can't go to the family reunions and do a bloat. That would be awkward and actually really rude, because they have the right to be whatever they want. But the idea of meeting the family, I think, is a great tradition to keep going because it gives you a chance to see the relatives, catch up with them, hear stories. I feel like there's a tendency to talk about the past, you know, the grandma or the great-grandma who has passed away. Um, My own family talks about my grandma Greg a lot at this time of year because she used to put on a big, like, um, Christmas dinner thing. So, uh... Yeah, I think the family get-together is definitely a very important tradition that, if at all possible, everybody should um, should keep doing. Do we have more to say on that particular tradition? No. no. Okay. And I also think that uh, visiting friends, like close, close friends, is also a cool thing to do. 
Uh, so some of the other traditions, we mentioned float. Obviously, that's probably not going to be a tradition from your your childhood. But if you're also true, Yule is one of the most important parts of um, one of the most important floats. It's one in our kindred. We have the option to swear O's on the oath ring on Twelfth Night, which is the 31st. Because what we do is the first, um, I think it's on the 20th. It's 12 days from the end of the year. On the 20th, we have what's called Mother's Night, and that's sort of sacred to uh, Frigga, mostly. And then on the 31st, the last day is Twelfth Night, which is sacred to Odin, particularly. But, you know, all of the other gods, it's still important. They're still important. You know, Frey, for example, is very connected to Yule. And when they took the O's in the old day, which was traditionally done at Yule... They would swear on a sacred boar. And obviously the boar deals with um, Fry because Gullenversti was his boar. So that animal is connected to Fry. So Fry has a lot of significance. I think Thor also has significance in it. And you imagine our ancestors would stay there for like um, a month or something and probably have multiple bloats. You're going to have time to go over a lot of gods. And what we do in our kindred is on Mother's Night, we all get together generally and have a bloat. Then the next 10 days will be, um, usually Lord and myself will just do something small on our own. And then 12th night, we'll um, have a big bloat that everybody's invited to, if they can make it. Of course, 12th night is the 31st, which is New Year, so sometimes there's conflicts, but... That's what we do. So we've got 12 days, and those 12 days of Yule sort of represent um, a lot of things. 12 is a sacred number, but one of the big things that they can represent is like the 12 months of the year, because it's sort of a coming together of the entire year. Uh, let's see, so that's a little bit about bloat, but again, obviously that's a tradition most people don't have. If you're off true and you're going to a kindred, or even not, I think it's a good idea to have the bloats. But but that's not going to be a tradition from your your past. Um, moving on to gifts, I think I think that's a really good tradition. You know, exchanging gifts is always a nice thing to do with your your friends and family, uh, just because you sort of show them like we care about you. And gifts were a huge thing. We just finished the have them all. And gifts were a huge thing in the have them all because it's one of the way you sort of cemented uh, friendships and relationships where you were like, I care about you, so I'm going to give you this gift and all of that. So what do you guys have to say on gifts? I like the idea of giving gifts. And I think a lot of it would come from the fact that you would go somewhere, you'd be away from people, and... Throughout the time you're away from them, you would probably see things that you would make you think of them and that, that you would think they would like, and you would get them, and then the next time you saw them, you'd give them gifts. And I think with something like Yule, where you have large amounts of people getting together, it's large amounts of people who probably haven't seen each other in a while, and so mm. it's not so much that it was a, hey, this is a special time for giving gifts so much as this is a special time for seeing people you you haven't seen in a long time, and you're just naturally going to have accumulated gifts for them over the amount of time. I like that. I like that idea because I think even in our lore, oftentimes gifts were exchanged when 
this hero over here was traveling to this kingdom over here and he stopped by his friend's house or something and they exchanged gifts. Or even this guy over here was just traveling to this guy's house because he wanted to talk to him. And the first thing they do when they got over is they'd exchange gifts. Not because as Yule, it wasn't a special occasion. The occasion could have been, I'm, I want to ask, in, in one case was, I want to ask your advice on if I should um, try to go to war with this other king. And when he got there, they exchanged gifts. So um, to Alexander's point, it's kind of like, it's not so much, oh, this is magic gift-giving time when we have to give gifts, as much as it is over time you've accumulated things that make you think of this other person, that this is a good time to to exchange that. Uh, yeah, and I, yeah, I really like that, the whole gift-giving thing, and I, that's a good way to look at it, I think. Uh, did you have anything additional on the gifts, Lauren, that we didn't go over? I'm sure there was, like, I think there's probably some social aspect to it, too. Like, you are coming to this person's house, you're going to be there for, you know, months, or at least probably a month. Mm-hmm. And um, you needed to bring something of value with you. Yeah, certainly. Everybody's distracting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's not going to make sense to anybody. Uh, so certainly there, there's a social aspect to it as well. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's probably, that's probably enough on gifts. Uh, one of the other things we talked about is the Yule tree or the Christmas tree. You know, the idea of the evergreen. Um, I think evergreens were sacred to Thor. I feel like I don't, I don't know if that's right. And normally, because I'm a product of technology, I just look on my phone and Google it, but I don't have my phone. Yeah, you left it in the kitchen. I left it in the kitchen, yeah. yeah. Mine's dead, like... <clears throat> Wait, what about you your... Uh... Nah, you can't nah, search No, I can't search it. things. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Useless. I know, I know. <laughs> so everybody, you know, before you take my word and go around saying that evergreens are sacred to Thor, this is something you should check out. Uh, but one of the things that the, and, and I believe that originally they were done, the decoration was done outside. They decorated the tree as it was outside, so they wouldn't kill it. But I, I think the symbolism behind the tree, especially for me, is you imagine it's winter, everything is dead, you're surrounded by death. I think death is actually a huge part of Yule, but that's not so much something, well... It is. A lot of people die in the winter. No, I mean, everything's dead. But that's not something that you're going to be, like, necessarily talking to your friends and family <laughs> about. That'd be a little morbid. Um, that is just an aspect of the winter, I guess. Uh, but, so you look around and you see all these death, all this death and, and nothing living. And then you see the evergreen tree, which is still alive and green. And it reminds you that... Though the world is, or a lot of things are dead right now, life still continues. And in the spring, life will return. And I think, really regardless of what faith you are, I think that's a great message to keep in mind that, you know, 
life will come back. This has to do with the whole cycle of life, death, and rebirth. Uh, did you have anything to say on that, Swampin? No, not any well-formed thoughts. Oh, I, I saw you were thinking something. I didn't know if you. That's why I say had no well-formed thoughts. Okay. <laughs> uh, Lauren, do you have? What do you think of that theory of the life, death, yeah. and rebirth? Well, I mean, you have a lot of those um, reminders during Yule about um, life, death, and rebirth. So certainly, I think. Um, you would have had that, but also I think that there's probably an aspect of um, of beauty that you wanted to do to decorate the trees to invite the spirits of your land to not leave you over the cold dead winter. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That I don't know if she agrees or disagrees. <laughs> I don't know if Saga's saying that we're all full of it or she's like, yeah, right on. It's hard to interpret those noises. <laughs> or maybe it's, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe you could, no, no well-formed thoughts. Okay. <laughs> I have things flying around in there, but I'm not sure. Because, I mean, you have, that it's the same through the entire season, so. Yes. Um, well, the entire I mean, year. maybe it's like, a, yeah, the entire year, so maybe it's like, a, you know, like a symbol of the God Force. That they live forever. They're always. Mm, so maybe it's sacred for that reason. And that, that was totally unstudied. Or totally and that could be. I don't know anything. Um, I think you notice evergreens a lot more in the winter uh-huh. because they are green when everything else isn't. And I think it is important to remember that, you know, even though everything's dead, it will come back okay. eventually. Uh, so what were some of the other traditions that we mentioned? I thought there was another one we mentioned besides those three. There are food ones. Oh, yeah, there are. You mentioned the ham. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, in my family, that's not the tradition. And of oh, course, really? you know, growing up, it was Christmas, not you. Right. Oyster stew. Oyster stew, really? Oh, I know. so East Coast. Are you guys from the East Coast? Uh, not really. No. Huh. I'm not entirely sure where everybody's from, but Michigan? <laughs> okay. I don't I know, know where that comes from. I'm yeah. sure East yeah. Oyster Stew would be good. I've never heard of that as like a holiday tradition, though. I think it might just be a family thing. Okay. And that's kind of cool, though, to have those, because food is a huge part of the holidays. Yeah. Um, I don't think we can argue that. And it's cool to have his own like little thing that is a tradition of your own family. I mean the ham has the connection to uh um fry, as I mentioned. The oyster stew probably doesn't have a connection to an actual no. you know god. It's probably not that that old. But it's cool to have those traditions. And I wonder, I'll throw this question out. Why is food so important in the holidays? Well, it's cold. And you're not growing anything. It is all stored or... I guess you could hunt some things. Yeah. It is all... It's pretty much all stored. But I think you could still fish. Yeah, you can. I mean, there's ice fishing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, meat, I suppose, is available. But any vegetable matter is going to be something that you stored. Right. From the harvesting season. So, I don't know where I'm going with this, but 
Yeah. And I know food seems to have, not just for the holidays, but the spirit of the holidays is encompassing this too. <laughs> food has, we need to make this a video podcast so everyone can see what Saga's doing right now. <laughs> We're not just making weird noises. Um, I think food has a very strong social aspect in general. When you get together with people, and I took a backpacking trip with some of my friends a while ago. And I think it's very different when you all bring your own food and eat your own food, and when you all bring your own food and pull your food together and then share it that way, which is what we ended up doing, which was really cool. Another thing is after our pools, we always have a feast. It's not, I mean, we always give people enough to eat, but we all sit down together and eat. And that's always been a tradition. It's been a tradition of the of our ancestors. Again, the sagas talk about the feasts they have. They were big feasts, lots of food there. I don't know exactly why it's the case. If it's simply a survival thing, like you need to eat to survive, so people you're eating with, you're going to associate with people who help you survive. I don't know. Maybe you guys can add more to that. But I really think that there is a huge, powerful social aspect to eating with people. It seems like you have stronger relationships with people when you eat with them. I mean, think about what you're doing. You're taking something that you've been basically toiling over all year. You're Mm -hmm. inviting somebody into your house, your safe place. You're Mm -hmm. putting them down with you and your family. And you're giving them something that you've been working on all year. That's pretty intimate. I mean, you wouldn't do that with an enemy. You wouldn't do it with just anybody you ran into. That's someone that you want to foster some sort of relationship with. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And, you know, when you were talking about that, I got to thinking about bloat. Because that's kind of our goal in bloat, too. Um, The gods probably don't... Well, it talks about the gods feasting and stuff too but odin in particular we know that he doesn't eat any meat he and not he doesn't eat any meat he's a vegetarian he doesn't eat any food he survives on meat alone what we're trying to do in the bloat is call the gods down to our house and our safe place and you know we we do the hammer right to cast the circle to make it Symbolically, even more obviously, our safe place. We have the circle, which is our safe place, and we call them down, and then, you know, we share meat with them. So that's actually an inter- which I have not thought, I had not thought about this before, but there's an actually an interesting, interesting corollary between what we're doing at Bloat with the gods, and then what we're doing outside of Bloat with our kinsmen or family members. So I like that. That's interesting. I'd never thought about that before. I think that's neat. Um, what's our time like? Does anyone remember when we started? No. I'm super responsible like this. <laughs> this is one of those things that I always say I'm going to take out and post, and I'm like, eh, forget it. I'm lazy. Okay. Maybe I will, but I probably won't. Uh... Okay, so let's next talk about what are some of the traditions that we had as a child that we don't necessarily have anymore. Like, did you guys go to church? Because obviously, being Austro, that's something you're not going to do anymore. Yeah. 
And then do you miss that? Are you like, oh man, yeah. I I yeah. did go to church when yeah. I was a kid. Not necessarily on Christmas, but I, I really don't miss it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, is that something that you guys have traditions and you're like, man, I wish I could do this, but I just feel like it's sort of blasphemous now. I doubt Sunday Mass, Christmas Mass would be the thing. Well, that's the thing, because like Christmas Mass wasn't really the fun part, but like staying up all night with my brothers and mm-hmm. like talking about what we were going to get and being excited about the gifts we were going to get. You can still do that. I mean, that kind of, you, you really could. I mean, that's what the best memory was, not actually yeah. going to church at night. <sighs> Yeah. Staying yeah. up late was cool because you right. weren't usually allowed and to. And you could still do that. And our kid, our kids even may, or kids singular for the moment, uh-huh. um, will probably do gifts on, I'm not actually sure, probably do gifts on Mother night, Mother's Night for her. Or maybe even the day after just because we'll have people over on Mother's Night. But regardless, we'll have a day and she'll be like, oh... I'm getting my big gift today. And throughout the other 12 days, we'll probably give her smaller gifts. Mm-hmm. That's one of the traditions I want to um, maybe begin. So she could still sit up late and be excited and the like. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there is one that I miss, though, that I a Christmas tradition that is truly a Christmas all about Jesus tradition that I really like that I don't don't really get to do very much anymore and that's the whole idea of christmas music i love now christmas you know if you're talking music. about carol of the bells which is my favorite song ever i can still get away with that because that dates back to like a billion years and not literally just in case there's someone on it the oh, modern day lyrics oh, are christian that yeah. carol of the bell it was it was a folk song way long ago anyway things like silent night or Silent Night used to be one of my favorites. Um, well, even beyond that, because some great composers one. were paid, you know, copious amounts of money to write Christian yeah. music. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Silent Night, because it's so catchy and so... Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And there's a lot of Christmas songs I like, and generally speaking, the ones I really like are the ones that are all about Jesus was born tonight, and Jesus is really great. Mm-hmm. And you should love him. Which I don't feel like I necessarily want to... I'm not saying I never listen to those songs ever because I hate them so much because they happen to be about Christianity. But I don't feel like I can really have them play a huge part in my holiday traditions anymore because they're not something I believe. And I kind of... I I really do kind of miss those. I miss the, you know, some of the Christmas concerts and, and stuff like that that you used to be able to do. I mean, like the classical ones. Not mm-hmm. like well, I mean, the classical rock. ones don't have words with them. That's well, true, the actually. classic ones are okay. Um, choirs, that's the word I was looking for. Oh, there like used to be a lot of, and, and still are, a lot of Christmas choirs that'd be on TV or whatever. Oh. And you could watch those, and I love those songs, and they'd play Silent Night, and they'd all be super about Jesus things. And I feel like I don't really want that to be a huge part of my tr- Christmas tradition any or my holiday tradition anymore because it's all about Jesus was born tonight. That's one that I actually really miss. Yeah. Other than that, I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of other ones that I really miss besides that one. But I do really miss that one. I'm amazed you missed the music if you yeah. worked at any sort of like 
customer service industry. Retail job. I I hate the Jingle Bells type songs and jazz remixes of anything. Oh, yeah. Because they would play those constantly and I despise them. Stupid Santa Baby, if I have to hear that song. Oh, my God, I I can't stand that one. That one amuses me. Oh, it was amusing the first time. It was not amusing the 768th time. But yeah, having a history in customer service. That's true. I did grow to hate a lot of those. But you know, I no matter how many times I listen to Silent Night or We Three Kings, I always like them. And I just listen to them over and over and over again and just never get sick of them. I just really like them. They're very catchy tunes. But for me, there's a certain connection that I never had because they're sort of religious-y. And I just never had the great connection to the whole Christian or Jewish tradition stuff. So, And some of them are, are really good, and so I get... Similar things in parodies or <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. like that, which well, that's a way yeah, to do. Not it. necessarily appropriate for the holidays, <laughs> right? Right. But and again, with concerts, no words. And that's true with concerts, no words. It's um the songs themselves and the choirs, the church choirs oh. that I miss a lot. And I do love church choirs. Growing up, I wasn't even associated with a church that had a choir or anything, but oh, I. Right. I like that aesthetic of gospel music. Yes. I just wish there were gospel music that wasn't very Christian. Right, which is probably... <laughs> the lyrics yeah. tend to turn me off. Yeah, and I've, I've never been a huge fan of the lyrics, but, you know, it's kind of like listening to Rammstein, um, which that is not my normal thing that I listen to all the time. I'm not into, like, metal music, generally speaking. But I happen to like Rammstein. Uh... I don't know what they're saying, so I cannot connect to them on that level, but I still like the music, and I think I'm that way a lot with the church choirs and stuff like that. I was like, I'm not really into what they're saying, but I really like the music, and I can enjoy it, and it used to be I was numb. Well, when I was younger, I tried very hard to be Christian, and I read the Bible, and I was all into it. I never felt a connection, but I tried really hard to feel a connection. Um, so I could absolutely get away with those songs and even feel like I was doing something good listening to them. And I, I don't have that anymore, so I miss it. Other than that, I don't miss anything. So here's another question. Let's, let's, let's go the reverse direction. So we've talked about traditions that we're still doing. Um, oftentimes our ancestors did them before they were appropriated. Uh, traditions we don't do anymore, which is I'm the only one who really has it, and it's just one thing. What kind of new traditions might we want to start? Especially being true. are there a bloat is the most obvious. We didn't do that when we were kids, and you know that's something that I want to do for my child. We've talked about not force her to go and, and all of that. And yeah, absolutely. If she doesn't want to, she doesn't have to. But for that to be a possible tradition, I want that to be there. So what other possible Yule traditions might we start? There's one that I really miss that we used to do at... Um... That was last section. Well, no, it's I'm not, kidding, it's not Christian. Kidding. Sorry. 
It's one that we used to do at another Kindred. Um, Hofbrock Kindred? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. Hofbrock Kindred. Um, I've mentioned that Hofbrock Kindred gave us our start. Oh, and yeah. I have great respect for them, and any time I can say they're awesome, Praise I'm them. going to do that. <laughs> yeah. So They're retired. That's the only reason we don't go anymore. Yeah. At the end of, um, at, on Twelfth Night, we would all go outside to the circle, and they had a um, sunwheel made out of evergreen, and uh, they would burn it for as the return of Suna. And oh, yeah. I really liked that a and lot. And wouldn't you, like, place a wish on it? Or yeah, something? every first, before they would burn it, everyone would yeah. touch, you know, we'd go around the circle, everyone would touch it, and, you know, think about something they wanted to send off to the gods, and, and then we would burn it and all sort of sit kind of stand kind of silently and mm-hmm. watch it burn off and it was it was just such a good ending and such a good beginning at the same yes. time and I, I really liked that I thought it was really that is now at the moment Saga is too young to be spending any amount of time outdoors in yeah. this weather so we're not doing it this year that is one and, and remind me later I think we should get back into because that was a great tradition just a way to think about the new year and look forward to the new year by lighting the sun wheel on fire. And I think the sun wheel is a good, a good symbol to... Um, and if anyone doesn't know what a sun wheel is, just Google it. But it's a circle with a plus sign in it, basically. <laughs> um, but it represents the sun. And in Yule, when you know the days are getting shorter... Well, technically, technically, I guess the days are getting longer, but... Uh-huh. In Yule, when the days are short and you see a lot more death and night, it's good to give yourself a chance to say, hey, the sun is coming back and we are going, you know, this is part of the cycle. The world will be reborn as it is every year. Uh, so the su- the sun wheel is a powerful symbol that we need to keep in mind. And I, I really did like that tradition. I really do think we should get back to that eventually. That's all I got. Okay. My recorder tells me how long we've been recording. I don't know if it's right, though. Probably. Something you've mentioned is the giving gifts on Yule. Lauren was talking about the giving, you know, gifts every day, and maybe one day is the big day. But one thing about Christmas that I always notice is okay, you're opening gifts and some of them you're gonna like more than others. And you get look at them and it's like, yes, this is cool, but I'm not as hyped about this as I was the other thing that I just opened, and maybe the thing after this I'll be amazingly happy about. But you appreciate it, but I don't know, because it's so concentrated, your reaction and your I don't know, the impact of it isn't going to be felt as well. Whereas if every single day you get one thing, I guess the impact is more and oh, that makes sense. the response is more and your appreciation is more and you can think about it better. And I mean, not everything's going to be symbolic and amazing, but, right. but still there's just the gratitude that 
there's more gratitude because it's the focus now than when, okay, seven awesome things in a row and socks. You know? Right. But socks are cool. Right. I mean, yeah, no, I'm that old. that makes sense. I, I, socks are cool now, but... <laughs> I can really relate to that. You know, if you get, like, 12 gifts all in one night, you're like, oh, this is cool, oh, this is cool, oh, this is cool, yeah, whatever, okay. Uh, but, yeah, if you get one day for each one. But like it, first, it really puts a pinnacle or a cap on your day. Like, oh, I got the present, so you're excited every day. And yeah, you get time to... Um, Savor? Is savor appropriate? Yeah, you get time to savor each of the gifts that you get. So that's, yeah, that's a really cool aspect of the everyday gift that I had not thought about. Saga says, give me piles of presents. She's like, I want 12 gifts every night for 12 nights. <laughs> that's just gross. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway... I was going to talk about another tradition that spawned from our traditions and turned into something not good, necessarily. New Year's resolutions. Mm. Back in the back when I was a kid. No, a wee lad. Back way before I was alive. <laughs> um, Twelfth Night. As I said, they would swear sacred oaths. Um. With Frey being very important to that. Uh, they swear him on the board. And these are oaths. Sacred oaths you couldn't break. There was no saying you do it and then not doing it. New Year's traditions have devolved into something that you say, oh, I'm going to do this this year. And it's just expected that you won't really do it. It's just expected that you're lying. It's disturbingly close to uh, April Fool's Day. <laughs> New Year's traditions, that is. But that is a tradition that I do think that we should keep, that I like. The idea that we can um, swear O's on the last day, but we actually have to keep them. And they're actually really important. Uh, so do you guys have anything to say about New Year's? What, what did I call them? New Year's? What are they called? Resolutions. My, thank you. <laughs> I, my brain's not working. New Year's resolutions. Or taking O's in general, or whatever. I do definitely see the problem. I mean, I, I didn't see it until it was, until you pointed it out, like, years ago, but it what they've become is this culture of self-deception, mm -hmm. or deception of others, but it's a deceptive thing, where it's, it's encouraging you to say you're going to do things that you're not going to do, and it's... It's not like April Fools, because April Fools, you it's you're right, trickery you're right. for the point of silly trickery. Everybody expects it on that day. Whereas April, whereas um, New Year's resolutions, it's just this. I don't know. It's it's kind of nasty. It, it's this. It it's this mindset of oh no, my word doesn't mean anything. If mm -hmm. I say something and don't do it. It's fine. It's great. It's There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not right. hurting myself in any way, shape, or form. I'm not making myself look like the kind of person who doesn't follow through. It's... So, I think I got the point across. Yeah. There. Yeah. Well, and it's socially yeah. acceptable for everyone to do that. So it's like everyone collectively saying, 
what we say and what we promise to do, it's okay if we don't do it. And back in the day, it wasn't. Right. If you made an oath on the boar and didn't keep it, there would be consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, your family would be upset with you. People wouldn't trust you anymore, which justifiably so. It was a big deal, and that social pressure was part of what made you actually keep your oath. And we don't have that social pressure anymore. It's like, eh, whatevs. Everyone makes New Year's resolutions and don't keep them. But yeah, it's just something... Yeah, I, I like what you said, Alexander. The, the deception, and, and especially the self-deception of, you know, saying you're going to do something, creating creating a future world that is one way and then just completely destroying it. Uh, so I would say to, you know, anybody out there, the idea of New Year's resolutions or the idea of O's made in the new year, I think is a good thing. But keep those O's. I, I think the idea of making New Year's resolutions and then not keeping them is a horrible thing that really probably needs to be stopped. Okay, um, I have another topic. It's not completely and utterly unrelated, but it's a pretty major change. So does anybody want to say anything else about Yule, New Year's, traditions, any of that stuff before we move on? Okay, this is one, and I feel like I've mentioned so much um, that we have Saga and raising her and everything is a big deal that people are probably used to this kind of stuff but this is going to be a parenting thing once again so if you just don't care about children or you don't want to hear about <laughs> raising kids we're pretty much done with the other stuff you can switch it off but if you're a parent or if you just care about children or you want to think about some principles of what's right and what's not right with your kids keep listening I'd actually suggest everyone keep listening Santa Claus. Oh, jeez. Mm. This one's come <laughs> up a lot, and I've got a lot of flack from a lot of people, and even people I respect. Mm -hmm. uh, how do I want to start this one? Okay, so first of all, Santa Claus, we don't know his origin. Some people say he's like Odin. Uh, uh, some people say he's like this. Some people say he's like that. Some people say he's a saint. Uh First of all, I don't like the message of Santa Claus very much because it seems to say, be good because if you're good, you get stuff, and if you're bad, you get punished with coal. Uh -huh. And I'll say Santa Claus, to me, has a lot of the Christian elements yeah. of do what you're told. Not, not because it's right or wrong, but do what you're told because then you get rewarded or punished. But... You know, if, if we want to say more about that, please feel free to, to comment on it. But what I really want to get at is, even if Santa Claus was something that's totally, uh, totally worked with Ossetru, it's a good principle, and it, our ancestors used to do the Santa Claus thing and all of that, what do we say to our kids about Santa Claus? Uh, do you want to start us, Lauren? Uh, I don't like any... I think we're all in agreement, but I still want to go through it. I don't like anything about the Santa Claus um, 
thing. I don't like lying to your children. I don't like painting him as something different. Like, I know that some people um, online I've seen say, like, oh, we call him, you know, Father Odin or whatever. I don't, I feel like you really run a risk of um, turning your children off to religion in general. <coughs> Or um, making them think like, oh, well, you, you know, you lied about Santa and he was this invisible guy. So then are you also lying about, you know, Jesus if you're a Christian? Are you also lying about Odin if you're also here, you know? So I feel like, I feel like it's a really bad and unnecessary lie. And I don't think it's a good moral, but I guess you're saying if we pretended like it is a good moral, but it's not. I just don't like the idea that I think it's unnecessary. I feel like there's so much you know, unknown in the world. There's so much mystery and so much magic in the world. And, you know, if you give a kid a present, regardless of if it's Santa or if it's from you or from their grandma or whoever, they're going to be excited and they're going to be thrilled and they're going to rip the package open. So I just, I feel like it's completely unnecessary. um, And I feel like it really builds a a bad, you know, a, a bad foundation for your child for the rest of their life that, you know, their parents lie to them, that it's okay to lie to people. Um, so, yeah, I just don't like Santa at all. And I don't, and I really am insulted by people that are like, oh, well, we're just going to call Santa Odin. Because it's like, our our religion already has so much marred history and so much lost, you know, lore and so much, there's so much about um, our religion that we've had to rebuild. So, like, why would you want to confuse your children even more by telling them that... Yeah. Odin's a guy that has a sack of presents on his back and brings them to you at night, you know? Plus, that's a really bad just... You can't just substitute out things. Right. You you can't just substitute out things like that. I mean, it's like, I'm going to be like, hey, kids, let's watch some He-Man. He-Man's actually uh, Thor, though. So this is really... No, you can't do that. They have different things. They mean different things. Odin wouldn't give kids... No. It doesn't really make sense. I mean, maybe for a price. Plus, I just feel like right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like lying to your children is a bad thing to do. And I, I really like what you say. You know, if we sit down and we're like, hey, kiddo, um, Odin's totally real. Santa Claus, and, and he um, is a god. It's a little complicated. Santa Claus is also totally real. He's a fat guy, and he gives <laughs> you presents. And then when they're 12 or 13 or I don't know what the age is, you're like, hey, remember that fat guy Santa? Uh, totally made him up. Yeah. Be cool. And it's like, so what about Odin? Because I have the exact same reason to believe him as I did the first one. And it's like, uh, no, no, he's real. And, and, you know, a kid, when they're 12, they're probably not going to be able to do deep meditative spiritual practices to verify for themselves, which is what will eventually happen when they get to be, you know, 15 or 16. They can say, okay, I'm dad says... Odin's real, but I'm going to figure it out for myself by doing meditation or whatever. But yeah, it's just such a bad precedent in my mind to lie to your kids. Slothin, what are your ideas on Santa Claus? I don't like the idea of telling people it's real. Yeah. Because it's just flat out a deception. Right. And then it, it's it's even jokingly this like club of Oh, we got. We understand that Santa's not real. Don't let the kids in on it. Right. And the, then other kids will be like, you know, that's not real. And there's already a problem enough of 
children's peers having more influence over them than their parents Mm -hmm. because they get shoved into schools for long periods of time and that's kind of a traumatic experience and a shared traumatic experience shoves people together then you just add okay these people are willing to tell me the truth and my parents are lying to me Mm -hmm. tossed in on top of that um so no, I really don't like the idea of lying to your kids and saying it's real. I'm fine with saying, hey, some people tell this story, and it's a silly, funny story. Mm-hmm. Don't, if somebody thinks it's real, don't disillusion them. That's something yeah. they're going to have to deal with alone. That's a mistake their parents made. Don't be the one who shoves that in their face. Um yeah. The idea of the fat guy who dispenses carrots and sticks, a little weird, and it does make sense in a Christian point of view that, okay, do something you want, and you can have this metaphor for joy for a short period of time, and don't do what you're supposed to do, and you can have this metaphor for burning for a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah, it is. And, I don't know. For a while I thought, oh, uh, to the children who are really good, he gives them a toy. And to the children who are kind of bad, he gives them something vaguely useful. And no, it's not. It's a metaphor for burning. <laughs> yeah, 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 it, it is. is. Cool. Cool. It's a metaphor for you're going straight to hell. Here, pack this in your pockets so you'll burn better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not creepy at all. <laughs> well, and I don't feel like um, it really... Yeah, that's the other point. I don't feel like Santa Claus embraces the uh, true morality of if you work hard or and if you do the right thing, you'll be rewarded because that is the oh, yeah. consequence of hard work is rewards. Well, kind of like Frau Holder's story. Yeah, it's, that's what I was it's I more love like story. obey arbitrary rules that your parents set so you can get toys. And I don't well, and like that's that the, mentality. That's the thing. I don't understand. Like, I mean, there's a Christian background and there's a pop culture background to Santa Claus. So I don't know why why people in our culture want to hold on want to hold on to him because we have we have like really cool stories. Like the whole story is super yes. cool and it teaches yeah. you know great morals. And it would be you know perfectly centered around winter time. You could easily mm-hmm. you know adapt that and encourage your children to, you know, do things right the first time and to work hard and um, for reward. I mean, but the thing is, I, I feel like it's work hard because the nature re- the nature of the universe, the universe will reward right. hard work. Right. Because it will. That is actually the way things are. Well, intelligent hard work. Intelligent hard work, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. That's an important distinction. <laughs> Um, but if you want things in your life, you have to work for them. Right. But because your work leads to those things, not because, you know, you're just arbitrarily following rules and then getting rewarded. Right. Um, there is something else I really wanted to say about the Santa. There's a few things I want to say, There's, but... I want to respond to the comment that people want to hold on to it, even though it's it doesn't attach well. Yeah. In memory, I mean, nostalgia. Mm -hmm. People think of the good and forget how bad things were. Mm -hmm. You mentioned He-Man. 
Yeah. I'm sure it was thoroughly entertaining when you were a child. Try to watch it now. It's not going to be yeah, that fun. I tried to rewatch Transformers about five years ago. That was not nearly as good as I remembered. And now, and then think about the idea of Santa as you're a kid. It was exciting. It was fun. It was cool. Hey, if you're good, okay, now we're thinking about were we good throughout the year, and mm. oh, I could get a present from Santa. I could go sit on Santa's lap at the mall and all the fun stuff. And, no kid likes that. And <laughs> the Santa at the mall. Now it's creepy, but <laughs> no, when you were younger it probably wasn't creepy. It went. wasn't when we I was a kid. Either. Then again, I also knew who the person Santa was. who was no, playing right, Santa right. was, so... It, and there's the idea of Santa's helpers, network of people helping yeah. Santa. <laughs> there's this whole funness about yeah. it. And you remember that because that's fun. Yeah. And then you gloss over the, the disappointment and the... The unpleasantness of learning the truth about it. So it's just like, you remember this was cool, and okay, it stopped, and it's like, I could if I could just recapture that cool, and it's like, right. I want that for my kids, and, mm -hmm. and I'll live vicariously all the mm -hmm. fun of that through my kids, never mind that I'm forgetting the disappointment that came at the end of it when I figured out it was a lie, right. and that I'm going to be subjecting my kids to that. No, That's I just want that point. hit of fun. Right. That's a good point that I never really considered. But yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember the disappointment of finding out Santa Claus wasn't real. And I don't remember exactly when I found out Santa Claus wasn't real. But I know he's not real, so obviously I did. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You gloss over all of that negative, unfun stuff. a period of suspicion... And then a hint of disappointment, but yeah. also a thrill of satisfaction that I figured it out. That you were right. Yeah, that's why I, I remember, remember a bit of a too. period. Well, and that period of suspicion is kind of long, uh -huh. and it's kind yeah. of unpleasant in yeah. itself. Because there's this, I want to, but I, I really kind of think that might be my parents leaving gifts. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't want to do that to kids if I had right. That's another good point. Now, I was going to say, I'm not going to, like, not talk about Santa Claus at all. And the kid oh, comes home, right. and it's like, who's Santa Claus? It's like, who you been talking to? <laughs> you know. We don't speak that name in this house. It's not realistic. You're going to have to talk about Santa Claus. And... I've decided how I'm going to do it. Uh, I've got criticism for this as well. Um, the thing I want to do is the kids are the kids are going to see Santa Claus, or I'm going to mention Santa Claus. They're going to be like, is Santa Claus real? Or, or who's Santa Claus? And I'll be like, well, Santa Claus doesn't physically exist anywhere. He's not a real person. He doesn't really live in the North Pole. And he's not real in the sense that you and I are real or even the gods are real. He can't make decisions. But what Santa Claus is, is Santa Claus is an idea. And lots of people have the idea of Santa Claus. And because of that idea, they go in and they buy gifts and they put Santa on the tag. So Santa Claus is an idea that has real effects in the world. So in that sense, he's real, but he's not actually real, as in... He's an entity that can make decisions. And I'm going to explain it that way. 
I have my major criticism right here, right now. Okay. That is way too complex for the age your kid is going to ask you about. That's usually what I get. But here's here's my defense to what I'm going to say. I think when my kid gets older and understands what I was saying, it's much better that they're like, oh, I understand dad was talking above my head, but I get what he was saying now is a lot better than dad was lying to me. I think it would be better to explain it in terms that a child can get. Like, it's a story. It's, okay, I guess it's a fun I, I guess thing I could say it's a fun story. in the holiday. And, and, and the easy part of it is, oh, it's mostly something Christians do, but stores got a hold of it because it sells presents really well. Yeah. Well, maybe that is a better way to put it. It's a story. It's like, yeah, it's just a story, but a lot of people like the story, so they buy presents and they roleplay. And it's it's an excuse to give people presents. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll try to uh, simplify it a little bit. I could, I guess I could see that. Comparing it to a story might be useful. I would still say, if it's between saying Santa Claus is real or over-explaining it, I'd rather over-explain it. And I think over-explaining is always better than outright lying. Yeah. So what I want to do now is... Um, because I, I feel like we've been beating up on the Santa Claus believers. Or not believers, but the people who think that Santa Claus is real. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for someone who says Santa Claus is real. Mostly because I want your guys' reaction to some of the things I've heard. Alright, so, so the first thing they'd say is, um, Well, you have to tell your kids because Santa Claus is real. Because being a child is supposed to be a magical, joyful time. And you're stealing that magic. Yes, as uh, Alexander said, they will go through disappointment of figuring out the truth. You're right. But what about the joy of um, thinking something magical exists when they're young? How could you steal that from an innocent child? <laughs> to children, everything is magical. The world is new. It, there's so much amazing stuff to discover out there that isn't just some silly Christmas thing that was made up. I mean particles and physics and math, all of these things oh, are now interesting. Oh, I a kid is not ah, going to be able to I do was. I liked it. Uh, you were probably an exception. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. But that's also because I had weird parents. If you have weird parents who have weird interests, their children are going to like that stuff. There's just there's so much interesting stuff out there. There's Legos and you can build things out of Legos. But it's not magical. You don't need it to be magical. The, the thing that people people fake the magic that goes along with Santa. They hype up Santa and that's the magic. There isn't actual magic in Santa. They make kids, they, they fake the magic and the kids believe it. So if you, I mean, if you just show the kids the world around them, they're going to be in awe, you know? Mm -hmm. Take them to a waterfall. Take them to Mount Rushmore. I don't know. Show them the, you know, the natural world. There are plenty of cool things in the world that are, you know, unbelievable. Yeah. And Well, and I think there, and I mean, it's, my response is I think there is magic in the world. That too. They're Not fake our, magic. Our gods themselves i think have a magical quality and obviously a bit, people will disagree and some people will say but you know when i teach my kids about the gods 
because people will say this to you. They'll say like, well, what if the gods are not real and you're just wrong? Aren't you lying to your kids and you just said that was bad? No, I'm not. I'm telling my kids what I think is the truth. Santa is totally different because I know it's not true, but I'm saying it's true. If I tell my kids the gods are real, in my opinion, that's not lying because I believe it. So, I, I, and it's not just the gods. I think there is magic in the world. Like Lauren said, a, a rainbow. Sure, there's a reason for it. I understand there's a scientific reason for it. But it's a magical event, too. The very fact that we can see it has a certain magical quality. And there are mysteries and unexplained things in the world and in the universe at large. I don't think there is a lack of magic in the world right now. So the argument that, oh, you're taking the magic away is wrong because you're not taking the magic away. You're just showing them real magic instead of pretend magic. Just hint of nitpicking. You said Mount Rushmore. And... <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. Not Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore was intentionally made by a Mormon guy as a giant uh, insulting gesture towards True. the Native Americans. <laughs> that would be like oh. some pope going or going through <laughs> Scandinavia carving rune stones into crosses. True. It was yeah. malicious and te- and intended as offensive. Okay, skyscrapers in New York. That's awesome. Okay, <laughs> there, we there we go. <laughs> well, and, and skyscrapers in New York are very magical. The fact that, and I don't think people think of them that way, but the fact that a person can convince another group of people to get together and first design and then build a skyscraper that's actually functioning, that's way more magical. I'm a fucker, I'm a present. Uh, that's way more magical than that. If you really want to freak yourself out, think about how the water works in those things. Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. Someone, someone, not only did someone figure it out, someone convinced someone to figure it out. And it's probably a group of people. I don't know. That's, that's, that's amazing. I think the world is a, is a mysterious, beautiful place. We don't need fake magic to get around that. Okay. Now here's another thing Hi. that I've heard a lot. Well, even if you tell your kids Santa Claus isn't real and you tell them to keep it to themselves, they're going to tell other people, you're ruining the lives of children. <laughs> Why do you hate your neighbor's children? You're going to ruin all their lives because your brat kid's going to go tell them Santa Claus isn't real and ruin their lives and they're going to grow up to be murderers. Their parents ruin their lives by lying to them. It's not my kid's fault. That, that's a fair point. It's not the obligation of the rest of the world to hold up your lies that you told your children. <laughs> I mean, not like I'm saying you should teach your kid to walk around and tell kids Santa's not right, real, right. like as a little brat. But, but, uh, but yeah. I mean, if if my kid happens to say like he's not real, I'm not going to be mad at my child for saying what's true. Okay, uh, Alexander. I agree. It's okay. There's there's a certain amount of teaching your children sympathy for other people and right. and a certain amount of yeah, it's not their problem. I mean, you, if other children are being obnoxious about it because your kid's not excited by Santa, I'm like, why are you excited by Santa? Eventually, their kid's gonna break it because it's not real. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And it's not your kid's fault. It's not your fault for not going along with the deception. Yeah, okay. I, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Plus the argument would get into some pretty silly things too. Yeah. You'd have to be like, well, you have to teach your kids that uh, Jesus is real because Christians are there. And right. you have to teach them that Shiva is real because Hindus are out well, there. Well, that's a little different because I, I think know. Jesus isn't real. Israel, Israel. Oh, that's a terrible <laughs> pun. Oh, that's my favorite pun of the day. <sighs> Confusing, because I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't either. But but anyway, yeah, I don't think you have any obligation to. I think you said it best. I I think you really said it best. Where you said you don't have an obligation to keep the other parents' lies going. Um, I'm trying to think, and if anybody else, because I'm sure people are going to be, well, I'm not sure, but my guess is people are going to be listening, and they're going to be thinking, they're going to be probably yelling at their phone or whatever they're listening to this on, because I do it all the time. It's like, oh, but what about this? What other objections can you guys think of? I'm trying to think of any where someone might be like, oh, you really, you really have to teach a kid about Santa Claus because... X, Y, or Z. It, it's harder for us to do because we've already decided we're not going to teach our kids about Santa Claus. Well, like, the biggest one that I get from the parents' perspective, which is extremely selfish and really, I think, a bad reason, but is that, you know, just, oh, the joy that they get of, you know, seeing their child um, being so excited. And, like, because I don't, I think a lot of households, you know, at least mine did, the day, you know, leading up to Christmas, my parents would only have one gift under the tree for each of us. And, you know, they'd really build it up like, oh, we just don't have a lot of money this year, kind yeah. of, you know. And uh, we'd each only have one. And then we'd go to sleep on Christmas Eve and then wake up Christmas morning and the whole entire living room would be filled, you know, to the right. ceiling with presents. Right. Um, and so, you know, just like, oh, you know, that joy on their face and blah, right. blah, blah. And I think that it's just, I mean, First of all, you're giving them like really, ex- you know, ridiculous expectations of life, but expecting that miracle to just happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah. but I think that I think that I mean everything that she does, you know, brings me joy. Like this, you know, she rolls over, and I'm like, oh my god, you rolled over. I just feel like there's so much joy that you could get from your kids that. Um, I feel like if I falsified something for her and I couldn't find joy in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would be like, wow, I'm so happy at this horrible life. Her. You know, like I just don't. Well, and why couldn't she have the same amount of joy? Well, and that's the thing. Like, if a kid wakes up to present, it doesn't matter who they come from. That's something so else excited. that I wanted to touch on that. And, and we'll go back to your point if we need to say anything else. But something I wanted to touch on. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's neat that they think presents come from Santa, whatever. I think it's really neat that the kids know the presents come from you. Because if they come from some fat guy who gives everybody presents, they're like, oh, cool, I got presents just like everybody else because it's this guy's job or something. (laughs) But I feel like it's, it's cool if you say these presents come from me because like we talked about gifts earlier, they mean that you care about a person, you're thinking about a person, etc. Right. So if she gets a bunch of gifts from you, she'll be like, oh, mommy really cares about me. Not somebody broke into my house and planted presents. 
and my parents hate me, but at least there's this cool guy who gives me stuff. But it's like mommy and daddy really care about me, and they're willing to spend the time and money and everything else to get me all these cool gifts. I don't think that's a selfish thing, like, oh, I want the credit. I think it's a thing that I'm giving you these gifts because you're important to me, and I want you to know that you're important to me. This is making me think of something, because there were some pretty cool gifts that were marked as from Santa, and now I kind of want to know who got them for me. I mean, I want to know who got me and my sibling a Nintendo. That was marked as Santa. I don't know who got it for me. Yeah. And I don't know. It's I kind of want to know that now. It's sort of... And, you know, there's a certain amount of lost gratitude. I mean, yeah. okay, hey, here's this gratitude for Santa. Santa doesn't exist. Right. Doesn't exist. Can't have gotten me gifts. Who do I feel this gratitude for? Fades away into nothing. No, you... Yeah. Somebody did something good for you. You should feel happy that somebody felt felt good enough to give you something. Even if it's just marked anonymous. Hey, some anonymous person wanted to give me something. But it's not. It's marked, lie gave me this. Yeah, that's true. Well, and the thing about Santa is he doesn't discriminate. Even an anonymous person, if the gift was marked anonymous, you'd be like, Hey, someone out there cares about me. But if it's Mark Santa, it's like this guy that just has magical powers to make gifts appear well, out of nowhere. And maybe gave me that's something. a. I'm, I mean, maybe that's another hearkening back to Christianity because, you know, in Christianity you're really supposed to give anonymously. You're not supposed to, you know, garner any pride or any. Um, you know, you're not really supposed to get anything from giving. You're just supposed to give all of the time to. Whoever. But the, but the giving is different too because you know often it's the emphasis is really like you should give to the poor or you should give to the needy Needy. Mm -hmm. the point of giving gifts is um just to help other people out and get rid of your evil worldly possessions the point of the point of giving gifts and also true though is more like you want to cement a relationship and make this relationship you have with another person stronger, which is a totally different idea of giving gifts. One is all charity, and I'm not putting charity down, and I don't think our ancestors... Our ancestors did engage in charity. You know, they would give the the traveler uh, a lodge and food a lot of the times. But gifts were different than charity. <laughs> And, yeah, the whole Christian aspect, the gifts, I mean, really, to be a, to be doing the best thing, you should give all your money to charity mm-hmm. and not any of it, you know, people who you love if they are capable of taking care of themselves anyway. So, yeah. Um, anything else? I'm trying to think of argument, because I know as soon as I stop the recording, I'm going to think of 10 million arguments of why you absolutely need to teach your kids about Santa Claus. Um, I think it mostly just, most of the ones that I know about are uh, the experience for your child, which I would say is debunked by the disappointment of it. The, 
you should do it because your kid's going to spoil it for other people. <laughs> Putting your kid through that just to just to not screw it up earlier for other people is a terrible reason. Mm -hmm. um, you should do it because everybody else does it. That's generally a stupid reason for it to yeah. do anything. Yeah. I think those are the main ones. I think those are the main ones. And most stuff falls under some subset of that. I mean, yeah. Ooh, magical right. time for your children is, right. yeah, it's just the experience argument. With a different flavor to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. And you know, whatever the argument is that you should tell your kids about Santa Claus, I think it's trumped by your line to your children. I mean, honesty, we've been over the O's a billion times. And what kind of goes with the O's is just honesty in general. We should be honest people. We shouldn't make a world that doesn't exist. We should experience a world that's here. We Wine is wrong. Lying is not an okay thing to do. And your children, you have a bigger obligation to them than anybody else in the world. I mean, you want to just make up lies and tell to your co-workers, and they're just your co-workers. They can be cool, but they can, or you wouldn't lie to your friends, and they can leave you anytime they want to. You wouldn't lie to your wife, and she can leave you anytime she wants to. But the one person who can never leave you is your kids. They didn't choose you like your wife chose to be with you. Your kids didn't choose you. They're forced to be here. They have no option but to stay. So you can't lie to them. You can't do anything immoral to them. You have a higher moral obligation to them than anybody else. So just being like, yeah, I'm going to lie to them because I want to see the joy on their face. Well, sorry, you don't get to do that. It's not about you. It's about them, and it's wrong to lie to them. So, obviously, I'm a little bit passionate about this one. I think I'm going to move to final thoughts. Um, so, anything about the <laughs> Santa Claus thing, or Yule, or the podcast in general, just any final thoughts, Alexander? I like the traditions. Uh, I really like the ones having to do with the getting together and the family and spending time together. But those have kind of fallen down the wayside as I've gotten older. It's not as easy to go as a family and just get together. People have lives that get in the way. And I don't know. That's unfortunate. With the Santa thing, I don't like the idea of lying to your kids. I think your kids should be able to trust you. And I really think that... I, I think the Santa thing is a small... Um, a small symptom of a larger problem of children not being able to trust their parents. And they should. You should be the first person they go to for help. They should. Be, you should be the first person they want to go to for help. And if you lie to them, you're just teaching them that you're, one, either a liar, can't be trusted, or two, they think you're an idiot who actually... <laughs> believes in Santa, yeah. and then you get there, and you're like, are you stupid, or are you evil? <laughs> no, just don't lie about it. Okay. Lauren? Yeah, I think, I, as what Alexander said, I think you shouldn't, I mean, obviously we don't think it's a good idea to lie to each other, so why is it okay to lie to our kids? Um, like you said, it's something of a much larger problem. It's just, in general, I think, okay to lie to your kids if it's about Santa or the Tooth Fairy or whatever. Um, 
So I think that that's a really bad thing. I don't think that we should be in the habit of lying to our kids. I mean, like in a really cliche way, they are our future. And do you want to raise somebody that thinks it's okay to lie and thinks that it's okay to manipulate? And um, Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a bad moral. I don't think it's a good idea. Should the future be built on a foundation of lies? <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, and then the traditions. I I mean, a lot of the traditions that fit into Osetru are, you know, my favorite ones. Like getting together with family, and it just seems so natural whenever you get together with family that people start telling stories and people start remembering, you know. Um, the history of the family so I really like that part because it seems like you always learn something and maybe it's like a, a twisted version of the truth but it's still fun and it's still um, you know you're playing telephone through the ages so but it's fun and it's I don't know it's a beautiful thing so yeah okay um, I'm not going to really add anything because I think both of you uh, really summed up what I was saying so uh, Alexander and Lauren, thank you for being on. I I think uh, both of you had a lot of good things to say, and I enjoyed doing this. And to everybody out there, once again, please send us feedback, because I do like getting feedback. And I haven't gotten much feedback, but I got feedback last month. It's good feedback. I liked uh, this really cool guy. I'm not going to mention his name, because I won't mention people's names unless they ask to be mentioned, because I'm crazy about a not. And, 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 and anonymity. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Anonymies? Yeah, that's what it sounds yes. like. Yes, I like see anonymies. No, I like leaving people anonymous. Um, but I, I get excited when I actually get feedback because I know people are listening instead of just like Russian spider sites are doing all the downloading. Um, so fe- send feedback. And this one might be one that gets some feedback. I don't know what everybody's view on Santa Claus and telling their kids about Santa Claus and stuff like that is. So if you have something to say, uh, go ahead and email that to huganhoffpodcast at gmail.com. That website or that email address can be found on my website, huganhoff.org. And we will discuss it on the uh, show if you'd like. Just mention that at the end of the email. So like, feel free to discuss this on the show um if you're agreeing or disagreeing either one i'm not saying we are absolutely right and infallible maybe we're wrong if you send some feedback uh we'd be uh willing to discuss it and everybody check out my website at huganhoff.org you can find the podcast there under the podcast page and i would suggest if you're not to subscribe by rss there be a link there that way you don't have to worry about going and getting the podcast it just downloads to whatever podcast player you have um other than that i think that's about it so everyone thank you for listening and i guess we will talk to you next month for all hell for all hell